Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Glad that you're here. If you're a returning guest and here a lot, thanks for being here. If you're new here, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We always want to welcome our new friends as well online. Thanks for being a part of that. We're grateful that you're here. If you haven't checked in, please do so. We always like to know you're with us. And certainly, as Pastor Doug said, we like to develop a relationship with you. So I do hope you'll help us do that as we start this new year. So we're starting not only a new year, but a new worship series. And a part of that worship series is a reminder that God's Word is powerful and impactful and relevant to our lives. And so we wanted to uh, identify this worship series called The Bible Unleashed so that we could help unleash for all of us, uh, either for the very first time or as a great and grand reminder of how powerful God's Word is for us and how relevant it is to our everyday life. That's our goal as we seek to unleash the Bible. So I've got just a real simple question for you this morning. Do you remember your first Bible? Maybe it was decades ago that you got it. Maybe it was just last year. I don't know. For each one of us, it's different. But that first Bible is often quite special, isn't it? Uh, It holds either special memory for us or special purpose for us. And, And that first Bible is always a quite literally a great and wonderful gift. And as I reflect back on Kay and I, my wife and I grew up in the same church. We didn't really know each other till youth group, but we were in the same grade and had all the same pastors and, and all that kind of good stuff. And right here before us are our third grade Bibles that we got 50 years ago because these Bibles are important to us. And they uh, began a journey for us that helped us uh, discover the joy of God's Word. Now, you may or may not notice this, but one of them has a deeper, darker red, thus unused, and one of them uh, is lighter and, and much well used, and that's Kay's. My third grade Bible got very little use because it was the revised standard version written at a 12th grade level for a third grader, so we didn't really read it all that much. Kay didn't read hers either until she found that it was helpful, and she used this very Bible, her third grade Bible for her disciple Bible study class. And she used it, in fact, three different times. She had to take it three times, right? And I think she took it three times because the teacher she had in every church she went to wasn't very good. So that's why she she used this a lot. But um, these Bibles hold very special meaning to us as the very first Bibles we ever got. That's why we've held on to them. And my hunch is you've got a Bible just like that that uh, has great meaning, has great purpose, has great value. Sometimes it's sort of stuck off because you, you, you don't want to, you revere it so much you don't want to use it. And others of them you, you keep and use a lot, as Kay did in her own life. And a part of the gift that we received from these Bibles was the beginning of a journey that had great impact and import on our lives. I have a love affair with God's Word, as I know many of you do, and it started slow, right? I didn't read much in in, uh, elementary school of Scripture, though I could tell from my Sunday school teachers and from my church family members that it was important. And so I had this desire to learn more. I just didn't have the intentionality. And then I got to middle school and went into youth group, and, and that's where Kay and I connected and several other of the youth group members, and that's where I began to see the value of Scripture. That's where I began to realize that it had impact on people's lives, and I could see it in the people in our home church's lives, and it made a difference for them. But I have to own that it really wasn't until I got to high school in our youth group and in other uh, parachurch organizations that I began to realize how impactful the Bible could be for my life and for others. So through my youth group and then also through the FCA, many of you know Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I participated in FCA, and it was there for the very first time 
that I began to see that, man, the Bible is not only important, but it has relevance to my everyday life, that it has impact on how I live and the decisions I make and the words that I share and the things that I do. And I was very grateful for that. And then I began to date a girl uh, outside of our church, and she went to another church, and her church was different than ours. They looked at the Bible differently, and they had much more intentionality than our particular church did about the Bible. And so I, I would go to church with her on Wednesday evenings or Sunday evenings after youth group, and, and it didn't hurt that she was cute, right? That's what draw, drew me there. But then I began to discover, man, I love what they do with the Bible, and I see what they're doing, and I recognize that this is important, and that began to seed within me this love affair with Scripture. And then I went off to college, and, and uh, I went to SMU locally, and there was a local organization, much like Campus Crusade for Christ, but it was local to SMU, and it was simply called Collegians for Christ. Perrin Jones was the leader of it, and Perrin had two philosophies with regard to Scripture. One was Scripture memorization, and the other was study of Scripture. So between the memorization and the study of Scripture, I began to embed God's Word in my heart and in my head. I began to discover that those words that were on the page had relevance and meaning. I began to recognize that, man, they could indeed guide everything that I did and said. And then I got to seminary, and man, seminary was just mind-blowing, right? They began to open the Scriptures in ways that I'd never imagined before. And I began to hear things and understand things and read things that I'd never understood before, and they made sense now. And that love affair that had started several years before began to just mushroom. And it began to take shape in powerful ways in my own life that I hope have, have had seeds for other people as well, right? That love affair that I have with Scripture that I know many of you had started so long ago, but that love affair had impact on who I was, and it helped me to see that every day I want to read God's Word. Every day I want to see how God's Word can have impact on not only my life, but on other people's lives. It's why now I have Golly, more than 40 different Bibles in a couple of different languages, and, and uh, those Bibles are used on a regular basis to help me in my own spiritual growth and to help me in my message present, presentation. It's why every single day I read Scripture, because I know that not only is it important for me, but it has uh, impact on how I interface with other people. It's why, like many of you, I carry my Bible wherever I go. If you have the YouVersion app, right, your Bible is wherever your phone goes. And if you are like me, your phone goes wherever you go. And that way, if ever I need help, if ever I need an insight, if ever I uh, need something to kind of guide me, it's right there with me. It's why about seven years ago, I began to push out socially a Scripture every single day. Many of you get that, see that, com comment on it. I did that and have never missed a single day in almost seven years because I saw of its power to share hope and love and joy in the world. And it's been a powerful um, uh, guidance even to myself when I see that it's having impact on people's lives, when people comment and say, hey, golly, I really needed that today, or that Scripture really guided me into something I needed to do. That was very helpful, Daniel. And those sort of affirmations help remind me of how important God's Word is to all of us. It's why for over 30 years, I have taught the Bible every single year in every single church that I've served. 
I believe so strongly in Scripture, and it all started with a third-grade Bible. And it caused a trajectory in my heart, and I know for many of you, that said, God loves you. And the power of that love that is discovered in Scripture is quite provocative to our relationship with God. So much so that study after study with regard to faith development says that the number one way to catalyze your faith is reading Scripture. Prayer is important. Worship is important. Service is important. Community is important. Generosity is important. Witnessing is important. But the number one way to catalyze our faith, to grow our relationship with God, is to engage Scripture. Because in every way possible, God's Word helps impact our decision-making, our life choices, our understanding of the world, and certainly our hearts. And so the Bible is important to me, and I know it's important to you. And so over these next several weeks, we're going to try to unleash the Bible in such a way that it will have impact on your everyday life. Today, we're going to talk about why is the book important? Why is this Bible so important to our faith? Next week, we're going to talk about, golly, how did it come to be? How is it that we got these 66 books and in and their content and context and all that? And then th- uh, two weeks from today, we're going to talk about how do we as United Methodist followers of Jesus understand this book? Because we have a special understanding of God's Word. And then finally, we're going to talk about how do we apply this to our everyday lives? Because ultimately, that's what God's desire is, is that this Word has impact and import on our everyday decision-making, everyday actions and behaviors, right? So why? Why do you suppose the Bible is so important? I'd like to start with the Apostle Paul, uh, who uh, obviously writes quite a bit of the New Testament. And Paul, in writing to local churches and sometimes to individuals, had great insight about why this book was so helpful. And uh, in writing to one of his mentorees, actually not a local church, Paul was writing to Timothy, who was being mentored by Paul. He writes two letters to Timothy, and in those letters, he's trying to help Timothy not only understand the faith, but how is it that you grow in your relationship with God? And that relationship with God is bound up in this book. This book helps us to better understand God's will and God's ways, and it helps us to understand um, how it is we can live that will and God's ways in the world. That's how important this book is and why it is we want to read it every single day. So in writing to uh, Timothy, Paul wanted to give him some um, encouragement and some admonition about why this book is important. Now, Paul will reference in this letter to Timothy uh, that all of Scripture is inspired, and I certainly believe that. But what Paul was uh, literally referencing when he was writing to Timothy is what you and I call the Old Testament. Because in the day that Paul is writing this, the New Testament doesn't exist. Paul, you may remember, is one of the earliest writers of the New Testament. So the Gospels are not even written when Paul is giving instruction like this. And so he's referencing the Old Testament, but I hope you will agree with me that when he says all Scripture, let's, let's believe and let's trust that, that he's applying it even today to all of what we believe, Okay. So here's Paul's admonition to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But you, meaning Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. 
You know they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by faith in Christ Jesus. I want you to keep that phrase in your head the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Paul is writing to Timothy to offer him some insight about why this book is so important. And he offers some very intentional and tangible uh, ideas about why Scripture is important, right? It is clearly inspired by God. And what that means is God did not write these words, but God inspired those by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the ruach or breath of God. God inspired the authors to write this. And that inspiration caused it to be holy and set apart for our purposes as we read it. But I want to start with that last little bit of wisdom that Paul identified when he was uh, giving some wisdom to Timothy. Did you hear what it was at the very end? It just said, here's what, here's what this is for. The very reason this uh, Bible exists is to equip us for good works, to equip us for good works. Now, that may not be exactly what you thought this was for, but that's essentially what Paul is saying is this book is to help us know how to live faithfully. His specific phraseology would be to do good works. You've got to have the equipment, right? You've got to have the insight, the understanding, the knowledge, the equipment to do this good thing, right? What it is God is calling us to. Now, there are several people who agree with this in Scripture, and so that's helpful, right? So Jesus' brother James, when he writes his letter uh, to the communities of faith, he says very f f right off the bat from the uh, first chapter of James, he just says, now we must be doers of the Word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Because I'm here to tell you, it's very easy if all we ever do is read and then set aside and just hear the Word metaphorically or, you know, visually and do nothing with it, then we are deceiving ourselves. This Word is calling us, beckoning us, challenging us to do something with it and about it, right? That's what uh, uh, Paul is saying to Timothy. That's what James is saying to the early church. Paul said it differently in another letter when he wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4. He would say, now, his purpose, meaning the Holy Spirit, his purpose was to equip God's people for the works of service and for the building up of the body. And what Paul meant by that is the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us to do God's work in the world. And that work looks something like this. Jesus would describe it. When asked what the greatest commandments were, in other words, what is the greatest thing you can do? What is the most clear thing that you need to do? When asked what the two greatest commandments were, Jesus said each time, as each gospel records it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two great works of God. Be in relationship with God and be in relationship with one's neighbor. In Matthew's gospel, in the 22nd chapter, in verse 40, he says literally about that, on these two commandments hang all of the prophets and the law. 
I don't know about you, but what that says to me is everything we do in loving God, in a relationship with God, and loving our neighbor is what we're supposed to do. This is the work of God, that we love God with everything we've got and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy, that this is giving us what we need to do what it is God is calling us to do. But Paul wasn't done yet. I mean, that was kind of his summarization uh, uh, word, but he, he gives some very clear descriptions of what else this book can do. The first thing Paul suggests that this book can do and why it's so important is that it teaches us how to live. It teaches us the truths of God, and it teaches us uh, the life and followership of Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, the entire collection of books is about God's love affair with humankind and all of creation and God's desire for us to find that relationship with Jesus. And the teachings that go here are important to read from and then to apply to our lives. That's why the very last words of wisdom that Jesus gave to the disciples, uh, according to Matthew's gospel, we now call it the Great Commission, is to go, therefore, and make disciples of Jesus Christ and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. You see, Jesus knew that a part of what we were to do as his followers was to teach others his way, to teach others his love so that others could then live what it was that we know and what God knew was the best way forward. This teaches us all that we need to know. The second thing Paul said was, um, Kelly, um, uh, this book also helps admonish us. And admonish is a strange word we don't use a lot. None of the words uh, work heavily, rebuke, reproof, whatever. But the concept of admonish means, you know, every once in a while we get off course. Every once in a while we don't follow God's will or God's way. Every once in a while we realize that God, I know you're calling me to do this, and I know this is the way I'm supposed to live, but you know what? I kind of like doing this, and I kind of like going this way, and I kind of like making my own life the way I want to make my own life, right? And um, lest we forget what that is, that's called sin. That's what that is. And every once in a while when we miss the mark that God has established for us and we kind of go our own way or do our own thing or have our own way ourselves, that's called sin. And the Bible has lots of ways to help sort of correct that, to, to help identify, golly, you're off course, buddy. Come on, get back. Let's come on. We call that admonishment. And, and Scripture has those guidelines, and it informs those of us who follow Christ to help uh, cling to those as well. And so every once in a while, we need to admonish someone. And of course, the only way to do that, based on the two great commandments, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself, is lovingly, graciously, kindly. Paul would put it this way when he's writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 15. He just says, look, instead, and here I believe what Paul means by instead, this is Daniel's interpretation, nobody else's. I think what Paul means by instead is, instead of browbeating, instead of Bible thumping, instead of calling people out, instead of condemning people, instead of any of those other things, just fill in the blank instead. Instead... <laughs> By speaking the truth in love, help people grow into full maturity in Christ. Speaking the truth is sometimes needful. 
And speaking the truth can sometimes be hard, difficult, awkward, whatever else you want to call it. But when we do it in love, with kindness and generosity of spirit, it can make all the difference in the world. It's how we ought to parent, right, when our kids get off course. It's how we ought to be friendly with folks and be neighborly with folks and be better co-workers with folks. To speak the truth in love is the loving way of Jesus, even when it must happen. And the Bible helps us do that. A correlation to that, Paul says, is that this book also is good for correcting when we have gotten off course and we need correcting. We need to be brought back. We need to help uh, realign. We need to get where it is that God intends for us to go, right, which is to love and to love. And that correction needs to take shape by the guidance of God's Word. Jesus, on one occasion at least, gave some pretty specific instruction about how it is we might correct folks. Uh, it's in, found in Matthew chapter 18. It's a great chapter uh, about this, and there's quite a bit to this uh, deal, but I'm just going to start with the very first point that Jesus identifies. He says, if a brother or sister, meaning a follower of Jesus, a fellow believer, if a, if a, a brother or a sister in the faith sins against you, you ought to take them privately and talk this out. And if indeed they hear you, then they will be won over as a brother or sister. Notice, it's private, it's caring, and it's decidedly about helping people to know where they have gone wrong and what can be helpful. We start there, and then we may need to broaden it out if it goes further, but otherwise we follow the correcting that God guides. And then finally, Paul says, you know, there's one other thing, Timothy, that's really quite helpful and why this book would be a good principled guidance for you. And that is there's lots of training in this book, training about how to be followers of Jesus, training about how to be kind and gracious and loving and generous. There's training in here. You know, training is so helpful, and sometimes we overlook it. Uh, many of our uh, administrative bodies here in the life of the church, a uh, leadership board or staff parish relations or our finance committees, uh, the first meeting of the year, we, uh, every time we get together, we have an orientation so that those who are new get information about what the training is that we need to be doing or those who are returning are reminded. Here's what we're here for. This is what we're about, right? This is what our calling is. Scripture gives us that good guidance as well. But it gives us a specific kind of guidance about what is sometimes called holy living. That is to say, being uh, set apart for God, set apart for God's ways. And Paul had this great wisdom for Timothy earlier in the first letter. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul uses this great analogy because he's a great analogist. He just says, you know, physical training is great. It has some value. But training for uh, spiritual living or faithful living is useful for everything. Hear that. Physical training, which we all need to do, right? We need to exercise. We need to treat our body well. It's the it's temple of God. But spiritual or faithful living, holy living, is valuable for everything. In other words, it has impact on everything. It has, it has uh, guidance for all of life. And isn't that what faith is? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm not just a follower one hour on Sunday morning. 
I'm a follower all of my days. I'm a follower in my work and in my household and in community and in service to the world. I'm a follower of Jesus across my life. And so the training that is here is invaluable to help us better know how to love God and love our neighbor. But as if that weren't enough, Paul has a very powerful word for us about the reason and purpose behind this book. It actually came before that great description of being equipped and teaching and uh, admonishing and correcting and training. Notice he says, there's wisdom to find salvation in this book. There's wisdom to find salvation. From Genesis to Revelation, God's desire from the very beginning of creation was to be in relationship with us, was to right our mortal frailties, was to help us to know of the pure and perfect love of God. It's God's love affair. It's God's loving desire for every last human creation that we would know the fullness of God's love, that we would recognize the power of that love for our lives, and that we would share that love with others. That's what God is beckoning us to. That's what God's yearning is for as we read and understand and apply this to our daily lives, is that God can help us find a salve for our brokenheartedness, find a healing for our mortal frailties, to bind up the brokenness of who we are, and God's salvation is for us to find God's hope in our lives and for the world. And it's all right here, the wisdom to find salvation in Jesus Christ. It's why the United Methodist Church's doctrinal stance on the Bible is very clear that that's the purpose of this book. It's fascinating to me that this doctrinal standard for the United Methodist Church set 240 years ago, I want you to hear that, our doctrinal standard of the Bible is as al as almost as old as our country, 1784. And you need to know two things about that doctrinal standard. It has never changed once in 240 years, and it will never, nor can it ever be changed because of the doctrinal standards of the United Methodist Church can never be changed. I want you to hear what that very specific doctrinal standard is so that you can see how biblical it is because it's actually based on this very Scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Our standard about the Scriptures is this, the Article 5 of the Methodist Church. The Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read there nor may be proved there is not to be required of any person that it should be believed as an article of faith or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. There's that wisdom to find salvation. So this book contains everything necessary to salvation. Everything needful to understand a relationship with God found in Jesus Christ, everything needful to discover God's love affair for you 
and everyone else in all of God's creation. If you want to know how much God loves you, read Scripture. If you want to know how much God wants you to love God and neighbor, read Scripture. If you want to understand how God has impact and import in your life and in the world, read Scripture. If you want to understand how it relates to your everyday life, read Scripture. If you want to know why this book is important, read Scripture. It's why this month we want to help you better understand how important it is to your life, why we want to challenge you to read Scripture every single day for 31 days. You don't have to have started on January 1. You can start today or you can start tomorrow or you can start next week. But we want to challenge you to read for 31 days because it will create a habit. Statistically speaking, 28 days creates a habit. We're going to invite you to go three more days, 31 days. And once we get into that habit, we begin this love affair with God. We generate this powerful opportunity to discover the ways God is working in our lives. 31 days. I want to encourage you to go to tmumc.org Bible. And there at that URL, you will find a link to a, a 31-day Bible study that will help guide you if you so choose. You can read any passages you want, or you can use that guide. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to download the app version. Uh, many of you do, I know, already. But, man, if you download the app version, it will, it will feed you uh, Bible studies and Bible passages and, and claim for you God's goodness on a daily basis. Uh, I would challenge you, if you haven't already, because 411 of you have already done this, uh, you can identify Treach as your church in version, and when you do so, it will feed you the weekly Bible studies and devotionals that align with our weekly messages, and it will help you be in tune on a daily basis with what's being shared on Sunday morning. And then just for fun, uh, we're going to encourage you throughout this month of January to kind of acknowledge that you've been reading daily. And so there's a, UR, a, a QR code that'll be here on the screen. You can click on that. It will also be at umc, tmumc.org slash Bible. And every time you read Scripture, each day that you read Scripture, uh, click on that and just acknowledge. It won't, it won't record your name. It won't record uh, any of your data. It'll just give us a number. And you know, already leading up to this morning, when we haven't done much of any way to acknowledge this, we've already had a, over 180 people who've, who've acknowledged, hey, I've read Scripture today or yesterday or the day before. And how fun just to kind of see how many of us are reading Scripture and what a goal that would be, that each one of us could commit to read Scripture every single day. That's just a fun thing. You don't have to do that, but we hope you will. But in all things, recognize that God yearns to be in relationship with you, and the best way to do that is by reading Scripture. If you need a Bible or someone you know needs a Bible, we have free Bibles right outside the door. English and Spanish translations. And if you know somebody who doesn't have one and you want to give them a Bible, please go take one. It's at the information desk just right outside the door. They are there for you or anybody you know. We want to encourage you to discover God's love of you and God's love of all of creation. And the best way to do that is to read God's Word. I look forward to hearing of the powerful stories of the way God is working in your life through Scripture as you read it each and every day. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the power of your word. And thank you that you love us enough to offer us this word that gives us life and hope and breath. 
Thank you that every single day, God, we can learn more about you and we can discover your heart more and more as we read your word. May it be so for each of us in the days that lie ahead. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, who we know to be the Christ. Amen. Hey, friends, for your generosity throughout all of 2023, I give you grateful thanks. Uh, We ended the year well, and that's uh, certainly because you were so generous, and we are grateful for that. Uh, We start a new year, and we certainly look forward to your generosity for this year. Uh, Know that if you brought a gift today, there are brown boxes right outside the doors, or you can, of course, scan the QR code or text the letters TMUMC to the number 45777. But whatever you give, we're grateful. Thank you.